I add my welcome to those of you in this room worshiping, those who are worshiping online, and our listeners on KTCU. Welcome to worship at University Christian Church. The scripture reading that we're going to hear in a little bit is from the Gospel of Matthew. And in Matthew's Gospel, right out of the gate, Jesus is bold in his teaching and his preaching. He calls disciples to be courageous and he tells them about the high cost of discipleship, how much it costs to follow him, what one must give up. Jesus says, you have to lose your own life for my sake in order to find your life. He said, nothing that is hidden will be left uncovered. And if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be humble and care for the weak. To receive God's grace and extend grace to others. This caused a little conflict. But in the midst of that conflict, Jesus built a new community. And with this new community, he faced adversity, rejection in his own hometown. Always coming head to head with the religious leaders wherever he went. At one point, they pointed at him and said, you don't follow tradition. And Jesus said, and you worship tradition more than God. They did not care for that. So in these final chapters of Matthew, Jesus enters Jerusalem, the week of Passover. And he does not do so quietly. From the minute he steps foot in Jerusalem, all he does is provoke He comes into town riding on a donkey, making fun of the Roman Empire and their uh, military parades of the day. And then immediately he goes to the temple and he runs out the merchants and the money changers and he turns their tables over and he said, this is not what this place is for. This is a house of prayer. And he starts teaching. The sick came to be healed. The hopeless came to receive Hope and children began singing his praises. The religious leaders confronted him and he clapped back and they did not care for that. So today's reading takes place on the following day. Jesus comes right back to the temple. The chief priests and the elders come up to him while he's teaching, interrupt his teaching. And they say, listen, by what authority are you doing all this stuff. Who gave you the authority to do this? And Jesus said, well, I have a question for you. You answer mine, I'll answer yours. It's about the baptism of John. Do you remember him? Who authorized that? Heaven or humans? Ooh, the religious leaders are in a bind. They're stuck. They cannot answer that question. They huddle up. If we say that John's baptism came from heaven, he's going to ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it's of human origin, this crowd is going to lose their minds because they think John is a prophet. So after much arguing with themselves and wringing of hands, their brilliant answer was, we don't know. (laughs) 
The reading this morning is from Matthew 21, 28 through 32. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Open this scripture for us today. Amen. I think the thing that I dislike most in this life, more than rats, more than snakes, more than monkeys even, is conflict. And conflict usually walks arm in arm with change. And I can't even begin to tell you, describe for you how even talking about it now makes me feel that awful feeling in my stomach. My heart beats a little faster. It makes me a little dizzy. I've been in church work for a long time now, and so I've been involved in lots of change, but that does not mean that I like it. Some of you may remember several years ago here in this congregation, we decided to change the order of worship, and we moved communion from before the sermon to after the sermon. And I'm here to tell you, folks, the day that we did that, I sat right over there and thought I was going to faint before the service was over. I was so worried about what was going to happen and was it going to work and were people going to be angry. I Usually when stuff comes up about change, I will be the first one to say, you know, the juice ain't worth the squeeze on this. <laughs> I like things to be calm and pleasant and easy. Just imagine a world where people don't talk during the symphony. <laughs> or they don't text while you're at the movie. Where, where people stay in their lane and everything is nice. Without disruption or change or conflict. If I ever own a company, it'll be status quo incorporated. So I find scripture passages like the ones today to be quite troubling. I like Christmas time Jesus, the one who is the Prince of Peace and who brings hope and joy and love and, you know, goodwill to all. I don't know what to do with the kind of Jesus that we encounter in the scripture reading today, the one who mocks the Roman Empire with a donkey parade, 
who goes to the temple and disrupts everything and talks back to the religious leaders. I just want to pull him aside and say, Jesus, you're going to get in trouble. And to tell you the truth, I stand before you today. If I had been in this time, I probably would not have been a disciple. I probably would not have been a religious leader or maybe even at the temple. I would have been at home complaining about that obnoxious guy that's ruining everybody's Passover. <laughs> what do you think? Where do you find yourself in this story? In the Gospels, Jesus is always being asked questions. Who are you? Are you the Messiah? Do we have to pay taxes? Who's the greatest? How many times must I forgive? How do I inherit eternal life? So Jesus was probably not surprised when the chief priests and the elders interrupted his teaching by asking questions. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you that authority? It was a trap. There was no way for Jesus to answer this question. He was either going to be charged with blasphemy or lose all of his credibility. This was their turf. This is where they ran things. And he was making them uncomfortable. He was disrupting the usual way of doing things. And so they questioned his authority to undermine his credibility. <laughs> but then Jesus stumps them with that John the Baptist question that I talked about a little bit earlier. And that revealed the true intentions of their hearts. They were so dependent these leaders were so dependent on the approval of the people to retain their power, their position, their security. They couldn't reject John's baptism because they would risk the rejection of their power. But if they acknowledged that John was a prophet sent by God to show us the way, to prepare the way for Jesus, well then... They come off as hypocrites and horrible leaders. So they go into damage control mode and they plead the fifth. We don't know. Jesus won. Religious leaders, zero. But Jesus ain't done. What do you think, he says? It's a challenge. He's going to make them answer a question. And he tells a story. And unlike every story ever, Jesus ever told in his life, this one is easy to understand. There's a father who has two children. He says to the one, go work in the vineyard. Child says, I will not. But then goes and works in the vineyard. Looks at the other kid, go work in the vineyard. Yes, I will. Doesn't do it. The child who talked the good game but did nothing represents the religious leaders, the elders. The other one represents the bad people, quote unquote. The crooked tax collectors, the prostitutes. You know, the folks that give you the bad first impression, the ones who aren't in the club, they're not a part of the institution. They were the ones who listened to the gospel who believed it, 
who took it into their lives and allowed themselves to be transformed into something new. And Jesus looked at the religious leaders and said, you know what, those people that you exclude, they're getting into heaven before you. You heard the same thing they did. You experienced the same thing they did. You saw how their lives were transformed and you didn't care enough to let it change you. They were livid. Jesus exposed their weakness and made them confront their own faults. At my previous church, I led a Sunday school class, and I don't like to toot my own horn, but it was a pretty popular class. It was in the fellowship hall, so we got a lot of visitors and guests, stragglers, people who didn't have a Sunday school class. So one Sunday, I was teaching Sunday school, and this guy walked in that I had never seen before. And he was not dressed like the rest of us church folks, kind of a heavy metal vibe. And at the end of my lesson, I said, well, are there any questions? And he looked at me kind of with an angry look on his face. He said, yeah, I got a question. Can you tell me why, with as many churches as there are in this country, we have any homeless people at all? Conflict, conflict, conflict. (laughs) That was a question I could not answer. And he would pop in from time to time. I was hoping that would be a one-off, but he would just show up. I never knew when he was going to show up or what he was going to ask. And it made the class uncomfortable. And it made me uncomfortable. And yes, he made me mad. Because he made me examine my faith, my weaknesses, My leadership, and he made me sit in discomfort. And I wish I could tell you that there was some grand resolution that we became good friends and he chilled out, but he did not. He remained an uncomfortable disruptor of my status quo. At the end of the day, the gospel message boils down to this question of authority. Jesus' authority. In our world and in our lives. You see, Jesus' power is more powerful than the power of the world. But it's a different kind of power. The power of Jesus is a power that produces healing and transformation, not alienation and violence. Jesus is a type of power that took what the rulers of the world threw at him, death on a cross, and it raised him from the dead. The worst that the world could do to Jesus could not stop him. Jesus' authority and his power, they're affirmed by us. His followers, those of us who have said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. That power is affirmed by us. 
Not only in the words we say, but in the things we do, our words and our deeds. And so, friends, do we live out this faith that we proclaim or do we just talk about it and be nice and keep the peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he does offer to us all of those Christmassy things like hope and peace and love. But our faith is not static. It cannot stay. It will not stay in one place. Status quo is not the church's motto. And just when we get comfortable, Jesus is going to pop in with some hard questions. And he's going to make us feel uncomfortable and uneasy. And he might even make us angry. But will we choose to follow him still? When Jesus says, go work in the vineyard, will we allow ourselves to be disrupted, confronted, discomforted by that work he wants us to do? Or are we going to try to manage what God's trying to do in this world, in our church, in us? What do you think?